New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Total Soccer Show and the first of our daily 2023 Women's World Cup Roundups. Now, it may have been the middle of the night, but the tournament kicked off just right with a record crowd in Auckland to see a massive win for the girls from NZ. It was a fairy tale start for the football ferns who highlighted plenty of Norwegian concerns. And over in Oz, the Irish were up for the party, but it was the Matildas who threw the biggest shrimp on the barbie. It wasn't pretty, but they got it done, and both hosts have had the perfect start to their run. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man who is as delighted as I am that he's on the European time schedule right now and enjoyed a civilised 8am kickoff for the opening game of this tournament. Graham Ruthven, howdy doody. Hello, Ryan Bailey. Yes, we didn't get an invite to MLS All-Star last night, but you're right. I think we probably won out of this arrangement because we didn't have to wake up in the middle of the night to watch these two games. I do love a World Cup. We'll see if I still feel that way when I have to wake up at 6am tomorrow to watch Philippines against Switzerland. But yes, I am very excited about the start of this tournament. There is just, I don't know what it is. There's like a regal quality to to a World Cup. I mean... Where else can you... Did you notice that they were they were walking out to, like, an orchestral version of mm. Seven Nations Army? And <laughs> I thought, this feels very World Cuppy. And I had a good time. Oh, a good time was had by all. I might dampen your good time, Graham, when I tell you that Nigeria-Canada kicks off at 3.30 UK tomorrow. So uh, that comes before the Canada game, so... Mm, that mm. sounds like a game I will watch on tape delay later in the day. <laughs> wise, wise choice. Uh, Taylor and Joe, by the way, not with us. They are travelling back from MLS All Star Game. Graham, I assume like the mail's bad in the UK. It must be lo- it must be held up the, those silver ticket things, right? Is that what it is <laughs> for us? I'm so confused as to what what that was that Joe got. <laughs> like wh- like a medal, some kind of medal. I think everybody got them, but it, the the seat number row and all that was like designed for the date, but it made it look like everyone was sitting in the same seat. It was confusing. Yeah, I was I was a bit confused by mm. that. But you know, it was good that 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 Taylor and Joe got onto the the pitch for the skills challenge. I presume it was it was one of those two that did the volley challenge, and it wasn't Kai Havertz, right? That couldn't be an actual Premier League footballer who ballooned the ball over the bar every single time we have played with those two gentlemen i think uh, at least one of them would have put a ball in the net (laughs) unlike i have us to be fair yeah yeah joe joe totally undersold his ability he he can hold his own so yeah i would take either taylor or joe in the volley challenge over kai havertz Indeed. Well, it's good to see that we've kicked off this Women's World Cup uh, podcast talking about All-Star. We shall pivot very quickly now to the events in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, We've both been watching the BBC coverage out here in the 
UK, Graham. I've watching some clips of the Fox soccer coverage as well on their WWC Now show they had uh, during the first game, certainly. Uh, I saw Jimmy Conrad, friend of the show, hosting. Uh, all hosts wearing sunglasses for some reason indoors. All predicting big wins for Norway in the opening game. We'll get to that shortly. But mm. uh, yeah, interesting. Of course, that nobody could have predicted that, arguably, the result that came out of that one. But um, interesting for me, Graham, that the BBC, Wild Fox have gone big and they've got a view of the Sydney Opera House and they've clearly spent a lot of money and a lot of effort on their studio. Both the BBC and ITV, who are confusingly showing the tournament simultaneously here, so you have to switch networks to watch games. Uh, virtual studios on green screen, which feels like they haven't quite put in the uh, required finances and effort. Yeah, so what I normally put this down to is the fact that the US is expected to win the Women's World Cup, mm. and England normally isn't. However, 2023, this year, not the case. England, one of the favourites, won the Euros, of course, Last year, I mean, if I, if I was to give a boring explanation for why BBC and ITV haven't really got a great studio set up, their contract deals, I think, were agreed like three weeks ago or something. There was there was a story around that. FIFA was complaining about the offers being put forward by a number of the, the European broadcasters. And so those contract arrangements were agreed very, very late. And so I do wonder if BBC and ITV had like a week to think of where they were going to going to schedule going to host excuse me the, the, their coverage but i have seen the fox set so say what you like about fox's coverage of world cups and people do say what yep. they like about that but their sets are always magnificent this set might even be better than the qatar set the qatar set they're right down on the sydney harbour right with the bridge right. behind it it's pretty spectacular yeah, looks very good. No Mr. Q, though. Um, Mr. A? Yeah. Mr. NZ, maybe coming in somewhere? I don't know. We'll, we'll, uh... the, the opening ceremony, which, by the way, there were two opening ceremonies. Yes. One for the New Zealand game and one in, in, in Australia later on in the day. But both disappointingly tasteful. I, and I wanted more chaos. I wanted more madness. I wanted an appearance from, from Mr. Q. There was an appearance by a performer who I'm only 90% sure wasn't actually Billie, Billie Eilish. It was like the news, the Kiwi Billie Eilish. Lord? Do you mean was, Lord? I, no, that, that wasn't Lord. There was someone... I know what Lord looks like. There was someone <laughs> she's, trying she's to be Billie Zealand, Eilish. Right? I think she is. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't Lord. It was someone that initially I thought, oh, that's Billie Eilish. That's quite a big get. And then the more the camera zoomed in, I realised that wasn't actually Billie Eilish. But mm. yeah, other than that... It was pretty standard, uh, pretty standard fodder, you know, music and flags and dancing and all that sort of thing. Their, their ceremony organisers clearly weren't on enough drugs like the Qatar organisers <laughs> were when they thought up their, their opening ceremony. Or even the most recent Men's Champions League's opening ceremony. I'm doing air quotes at the moment for those. I thought I, I thought they were both pretty good, Graham. Quite theatrical, quite sort of Cirque du Soleil vibes I got from them. The sort of the dance moves they were doing. They were honouring like Maori and Aboriginal traditions yeah. it seemed through these dances as well. So yeah, m slightly more muted, less pitbull than we would uh, be used to in recent years for these kind of things. So I think they did a pretty good job. But I will ask you, Graham, when nations have shared tournaments before have they ever had separate opening ceremonies because i don't recall this happening before no so the last world cup would be like what south korea japan i can't yeah. think of another shared tournament i i was like 12 for that tournament so mm. <laughs> i'm stretching the boundaries of my memory trying to recall what happened for that tournament but no i i i i can't recall two opening ceremonies yeah there i tweeted out the the peep show 
Um, David Mitchell, two two opening ceremonies, Jeremy, two. That's insane. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. I was going to bring out, but didn't know if it was a cultural reference that would land. I hope it does <laughs> with some of our listeners there, Graham. Um, yeah, I think, well, there's been some Euros that have been shared, hasn't it? Like 2008 was shared, there's been some others. So Yeah, I- so, so Euro 2020, the men's Euro 2020, yeah. Italy had the opening ceremony with, um, oh, what's he called? Bocelli, Andrea Bocelli? Yep. I can't recall, like, we certainly didn't have one in Glasgow when we hosted our first game. It just would have been, like, I don't know, Lulu. That's who we would have (laughs) got. There would have been, like, 12 opening ceremonies. That would have been madness. Madness, Graham. Um, So we're going to get to the game shortly, but, of course, the action was uh, overshadowed. There was a moment of science before both games, before both kickoffs. There was a shooting in Auckland earlier in the day before the opening game. Three people dead and six injured. Uh, The Norway, US, and Philippines teams were among the teams staying nearby the incident, which was apparently on a building site. Uh, Of course, the games went ahead as planned, but our thoughts, of course, with everyone affected by that tragedy. Um, let's go, Graham, shall we, to the New Zealand game, the opening game, a 1-0 win over Norway, unexpected, hosts versus former winners here at Eden Park in Auckland, very much a, a fairy tale start for for the Kiwis here, for the, for the football ferns, which is, a, I, I don't know how I feel about that still. I like ferns. it. Yeah? I like it as a, yeah. na- a nickname. Not as much as I like th- some of the names of the stadiums in this tournament. I don't know if you have caught this, but Eden Park, I think, has been called Eden Park, but the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium because FIFA can't use the the sponsor, like the, the, the real name that right. they've sold to a brand. So for some reason, they've decided to give them all shapes. There's like the Brisbane Rectangular Stadium. It's bizarre. Very Sesame Street. I like that. That's good. Um, so we had a, a 1-0 result here. Hannah Wilkinson with the goal. Uh, Jacqueline Hand with the assist. The best hand assist at a World Cup since Maradona, I would argue, Graham. Uh, Rhea Percival missing. that too. Yeah. <laughs> Rhea Percival with the missed penalty in this one later on as well. 42,137 fans in the uh, Eden Park non-specifically shaped stadium in Auckland <laughs> for this game. The biggest crowd ever at a football match in New Zealand. Bravo. Graham, initial impressions here were that this was an unexpected uh, win for New Zealand. 54% possession in the first half. Uh, played really well. Basically kept the Norwegian attacks at bay. Plenty of creativity in the middle third. Thumbs up for the hosts. Yeah, so I thought this was an incredible start to this tournament. And tournaments are always more fun when the host nations do really well. And obviously Qatar didn't do that six months ago. Um, so I was I wanted New Zealand to do well in this tournament, or at least start this tournament well. But expectations were very low for them coming into this game. They were in dreadful form and they'd never won a women's World Cup match in 15 attempts before this. But from early on, you got a sense that this team was in a good place for this match. And I loved Ali Riley, who of course is the the captain and maybe the most recognisable face in this New Zealand team, certainly for NWSL fans. But I loved her walking out onto the pitch as the captain and rather than giving like the poker face that you would normally get from a player in that situation, she is just like manically waving to the crowd with a gigantic (laughs) grin on her face. And that grin stayed throughout the national anthem um, and throughout the match as well, to be honest. And that kind of set the tone for New Zealand. They enjoyed this. And yes, their game plan worked and Norway were poor. I'll come on, come on to that later. But it, it felt like New Zealand just had a good time. And I had a good time watching them, which I definitely didn't expect. I did the preview for New Zealand. And yes, there were elements of, of their expected game plan in this performance. It wasn't like they were completely attack-minded and threw everyone forward. They, they did play 
as they have been playing under Klimko over the last year or so. But it was just much more enjoyable. And in and, and certain elements, it was unexpected what they produced. But I'm pleased that they got their tournament off to a win. You've noted in our show notes, Graham, that Hannah Wilkinson performed her role perfectly. Can we dig into that a little bit? Because after the first half, I was I sort of wrote in my notes, Hannah Wilkinson was a bit disappointing, particularly with the finishing. Uh, and then obviously got the goal, which was a great goal, great team build up from, from goal kick through to Hannah Wilkinson. But are we going to call that a consistent performance? Yeah, I thought it was, to be perfectly honest. I thought she was an absolute handful. So maybe there was some ragged moments in there, but just mm-hmm. just the way that New Zealand play, they're, they're not going to have like an all-round complete centre-forward who plays this magnificent game. It, she is there to do certain things, right? She's there to get in behind, and she did that very well, and Norway couldn't handle her direct running, and some of her hold-up play was exceptional as well. There was a moment in the second half where she made a run in behind, she then controlled a pass that was played in behind. She took two defenders with her and kind of the whole defensive line over to one side. And then she cut it back and she laid the pass into Rhea Percival, who shot just wide. And that could have been a second goal for New Zealand. And that was, in that moment, I thought that was a perfect encapsulation of what Wilkinson offers this team. Um, but more surprising than that, from the New Zealand point of view, was how they were able to continually find the half spaces so they were they were passing through the Norwegian defense and Betsy Hazard was finding pockets of space in the first half so we expected New Zealand to play quite a direct game I mean when they kicked off this match the first thing that they did was they laid it back to the central midfielder or the central defender I can't quite remember and they launched it long and I thought this is this is the sort of performance we're going to get from New Zealand that when they play well it's the sort of thing that works for them but they were able to push their line of possession a little bit higher up the pitch. They were able to find those pockets of spaces and, and they found it quite easy to get into the box. And um, that is very different from what we saw from them in the build-up to the tournament. Now, a big part of that was how poorly Norway played and were right. set up. But nonetheless, this is a very encouraging precedent for New Zealand to set in, in their opening fixture. Definitely so. Uh, Shreyas Ramani on the Discord. Hey, Shreyas said, uh, New Zealand have Stott and Bott playing next to each other in the back, rivaled by Norway, who have Mjelda and Bjelda playing next to each other. Some <laughs> wonderful defensive work going on from both teams there. I thought Catherine Bott was pretty good at fullback. Graham, um, anyone else who stood out for you besides uh, her and Hannah Wilkinson on New Zealand? Yeah, so I thought that battle between um, Graham Hansen and, and Riley down the the right side of the Norwegian team, left side of the, the New Zealand team, was a, a defining battle of, of this match. Um, I thought, essentially, everyone in the New Zealand team was, was impressive. I mean, mm. Rhea Percival having her back in central midfield made a big difference to this team. So I mentioned in my preview, she was uh, an injury doubt for this tournament. She plays for Tottenham in the in the Women's Super League. And just having her in central midfield meant that they were able to get their foot on the ball, New Zealand, and they were able to play those passes through and they were able to kind of just hold their position a little bit longer and wait for, for support in the wide areas. Now, the crosses weren't always ideal from New Zealand and if there was one flaw in their play it was that Hannah Wilkinson was dropping off to to lay the ball back but New Zealand were crossing too early for her to get back in and so I think Mm. if they just kind of held off um I I wonder if maybe they could have caused even more trouble with getting Hannah Wilkinson into into dangerous positions she's obviously quite a quite a a physical um you know target person to hit with crosses into the box and even though her running and getting her in behind there was a lot of good stuff there I thought they could use her more in the air with some of the crossing but yeah generally it was a it, it was a good performance 
We need to take a quick break. When we come back, a little more on the impressive New Zealand performance. We need to talk about Norway, of course, and we're going to talk about that Aussie win. All that and more back shortly. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to Women's World Cup Review Day 1. Graham, we had a monumental, historic moment in this game. The referee going over to check the VAR <laughs> screen, coming back, and I was like, why is it? Why is she being so slow and dramatic about this? And then suddenly we got the announcement to the crowd of the VAR decision, which I don't know why they've taken this long to do this, frankly. It was great, wasn't it? I did enjoy it, and I enjoyed the, the, the drama of the moment where the stadium sort of quieted yeah. down and waited for her, and I loved her going penalty and pointing, ah. to the, pointing to the spot. What I would say is, if the purpose of that is to explain the decision, I would like a little bit more like actual explanation. And, and this one was kind of cut and dry. Like We knew this was going to be a penalty when mm. she went to the screen, but I do kind of wonder when it's an incident that needs a bit of explaining or something that's like earlier in the play and fans actually don't know what's being looked at, I do kind of wonder how much explanation is is, is going to happen. If they get that right, this could be a game changer for VR Because I've been in a stadium where VR is looking at an incident. You have no idea what's mm. going on. They did this at, uh, at the last Scotland game I was at against Georgia. Nobody in the crowd knew what was happening. And when a penalty was given, nobody nobody knew what it was given for either. So mm. this this could be a, a good change. It's, it's something, I believe it's been trialed for this tournament. It's not a permanent change, but I, I can see this being made permanent. It feels like they're taking a page from the NFL book here, which is always good when the referee explains the decisions that's going on. So I, I did like that a lot. The penalty gonna, itself... There's going to be there's gonna be certain... Sorry to jump in there, Ryan. But there's going to be certain like celebrity referees that have retired. Like Mathieu Lahos has just retired, <laughs> and he's seen that they're now bringing in microphones for referees. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to call off that retirement. He'll be back next season. I can imagine Mike Deed standing up from his couch. <laughs> no, no, no! This was my moment! <laughs> Very upset about that as well. Um, the actual penalty itself from Percival, I, I mentioned this on our chat. 
I think it's the best missed penalty I've ever seen. The way it was struck, it had that slight curve on it, it hit the crossbar. If it had gone crossbar on it, it would have been beautiful. Yeah. Um, am I talking nonsense here, or was that a no, good strike? No, I know what you mean. There was a there was an angle behind. You're talking about the angle from behind the ball, right? That yeah, they yeah. Showed that kind of yeah. shows the, you know, the curvature of the shot. Um, mm. but it missed, so it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. It did miss. And who else missed, Graham? Norway in general, disappointing once yeah. again in this game. Kind of like the Euros. Okay, not as wasn't the decimation like uh, at the hands of England at the Euros by any means, but it wasn't a good performance at all. It just seemed like they had. No ideas in the first half, even fewer in the second. Expecting a lot from that Hansen and Hedeberg combo, but they were pretty much kept under wraps. And you just talk about the space yeah. that New Zealand found. It just seemed to be because Norway didn't have a plan, really. Yeah. They offered very little. This was very Euro 2022 from them. This is what we saw from them last summer. And obviously they made a managerial change. It's the same group of players, but nonetheless, we were told. And there was some evidence to suggest that things had changed for Norway, but you could have put this in the group stages of the Euros last year and it wouldn't have looked out of place. The setup was poor, so Norway, they often play with two holding midfielders in front of the back four, but Hegerisa, who's the, the head coach, of course, she went for just one midfield anchor in this match in, in the form of Monum um, in central midfield, and I guess the idea was that this would allow um, uh, Guru Raiten and Engen the freedom to get forward and attack and join in attacks, and that did happen at times, but I don't know if Risa expected New Zealand to try and control the ball as much as they did in this match. So it often felt like Norway, the team with, you know, countless, or not countless, but a handful of world-class players certainly have the talent advantage in this matchup. It often felt like they lacked a foothold in the, in this game, which is not how I expected this one mm. to go at all. And I think one of the most, most surprising things, excuse me, was that the tone that was set very early on in this match, it never changed. It never changed for the full 90 minutes. I don't think the first 20 minutes were too surprising. So New Zealand, were, they were playing with a lot of intensity. They were first every ball. And Norway early on were struggling to match that. But that is the sort of thing that host nations do at major tournaments. The surprising thing was that Norway didn't respond in any way. It wasn't like the match moved into a different phase at any point. So Risa made some changes from the bench and she tried to change that midfield structure that wasn't working at all. But the performance remained the same. It was low on energy. The midfield was fragmented. There was no coherence, no chemistry be between players. As I say, it was all very Euro 2022 from Norway where there was a big disconnect between the back of their team and the front of their team where they obviously have a lot of talent. Yeah, it's, it's just quite baffling to try and figure out like even in terms of like basic structure and playing out I couldn't I couldn't figure out at all what was going on Graham it just seemed like for this level with these caliber of players it wasn't quite good enough I saw tweets about the number of passes that Engen um misplaced in this match so it wasn't it wasn't just the setup it was the individual execution as well there was they weren't sharp in any way I mm. couldn't name you a player that played well for Norway really I mean they were quite dangerous when they got the ball into the half spaces in the wide areas on the run. And, and the best moment of the match for them came what came when uh, Grim Hansen turned on, I think this was in the first half maybe, but Grim Hansen turned on the halfway line and just surged down the right wing and she takes two defenders with her. She gets to the byline, she cuts it back for Ada Hegerberg, who then has a, a shot blocked. So there were moments where you think, 
Norway's setup might be wrong. They might not be playing very well here, but they have the talent to create something out of nothing. And I think that's where the nerves for New Zealand came from right up until the 90 minute, 90th minute. They couldn't count on the three points because Norway do have that quality. But even when Norway got into the box in the wide areas where they had some joy, the finishing and execution was just so poor. I mean, I tweeted it was like they were playing in Timberlands. The touches <laughs> that they had were just all over the place. And there was a chance late on for, uh, I can't quite remember who has that chance. Is it Monum who has that chance? But there's a, a cross that comes into the box. I think it's Hegerberg who scuffs a volley and it falls to whoever the Norwegian player was. About like six yards out, she just completely misses her kick and scuffs it harmlessly wide of goal. So everything was poor about this Norway performance. One of the most bizarre aspects of it was how Guru Raitan, who is one of their difference makers, is, is one of those players who can produce something out of nothing, was played so deep that she couldn't affect the game in an attacking sense. Maybe don't do that in the next game, Norway. Maybe get your best players into a position on the pitch where they can actually score a goal or make something happen in the box. Yeah, that might be quite useful, I suggest, Graham. Uh, some more anecdotal uh, observations from me. I noticed that well, you mentioned how the players were sort of the New Zealand players were smiling and having a great time coming onto the field. There was a point when um, uh, the Norwegian goalkeeper was facing the penalty and was smiling and seemed to be having a laugh, like in a moment where you should be having a candor of very a fairly serious candor, I would suggest. And there was a moment later on when uh, Tia Bielder was being carried off by a teammate, which is quite a comical moment, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, being carried off to sort of get the game moving. But they were all laughing. It's like they're having a wonderful time. And that was me thinking, sure, this is that's an interesting moment. But the tone of this team is you're, you're, you're having a lovely time and smiling and laughing and you're not winning. You're losing. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm not against players having a good time on the pitch. I know that's sure. not your, your point. But I do agree that, like this Norway team, and this is this was the same in Euros. They don't really engage in the matches or the mm. occasions. Like w whether it's, you know, um, in a motivational sense, there's nobody that really gets a grip of other players. And you know, someone like Ada Hegerberg, who's one of the best players in the world and has been for a long time, and has also been an off the pitch leader for this group of Norwegian players. Of course, she was the one that, that refused to play for the Norwegian national team until basically their women's tre uh, team got treated um, better and had more resources. And then she came back to the team. So she has performed that role off the pitch, but it just, it felt like there was a lack of leadership, nobody taking responsibility. And maybe that feeds into what you're saying there, Ryan, about uh, towards the end of the match, like players laughing and joking around as they're, as they're losing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, that was, that, that might've been an issue, but there was like a, about 20 things in the list above that, uh, that contributed to, to this defeat, I think. Maybe so. They'll, maybe they'll play into one another. We shall see if they get their act together for game two in this one. Any more from this game, Graham, before we move on to uh, Straya? I quite like the New Zealand home kit. Not that you can actually get hold of any of the World, Women's World Cup kits. I've looked everywhere. <laughs> I was in an Adidas shop in London at the weekend. No men's sizes. And look, I, I appreciate how rich it is for me, uh, you know, a, a male to complain about not getting football stuff in the right sizes i realize that the situation is normally flipped but nonetheless i would like to be able to, to be able to buy some of these women's world cup shirts in a men's size and i haven't been able to find any yet but if i could find one maybe new zealand's would be on the list there you go all right why don't we take another quick reset when we come back we'll talk about australia's victory over ireland back shortly today's episode of the total soccer show is brought to you by indochino MLS is back, which means MLS fits are back. We got to see FC Dallas's cowboy hat, 
move from player to player, and Iramendi rocked that thing after their win recently over the San Jose Earthquakes. We're getting to see pregame fits. Another FC Dallas player, and Kosi Tafari never disappoints. Will Trapp over in Minnesota has surprisingly good pregame fits for the Loons. Athletes love to have the right fit, and so do we. We love wearing our sports gear, but you can't wear a jersey all the time. Indochino makes fully customized suits that don't require a trip to the tailor to get that perfect fit. Indochino has high-quality suits that are designed to fit you. They're made to your exact measurements and customizations, endless customization options at that. This is custom clothing, folks, at a surprisingly affordable price. We're talking quality wools, linen, and cotton in different colors and patterns. Indochino.com is your one-stop shop for all of this stuff. The ordering process is easy. The site is super simple, clean, and easy to use to find suits, shirts, pants, blazers, outerwear, all of that good stuff over at Indochino.com. If you want to level up your game with Indochino, go to Indochino.com and use code ATHLETIC to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com with code ATHLETIC. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com with code ATHLETIC. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who would like to remind you when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. You don't want to end up with Ryan, Graham, and Joe. Just kidding. Just kidding. Very much just kidding, because I was very fortunate to have the three of them all join the show, and I had existing relationships with all three of them that allowed me to know that they could handle the the the, uh, the amount of work that would be required, that they could be diligent in their tasks and be very effective on mic, and all three of them are. But again, that's because you have the existing relationship. If you don't feel like you have that with potential hires, then LinkedIn is going to make it very, very easy, and they're going to make it feel like you are connected to that person. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because it gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. But when you are setting the requirements and making it very specific as to what you're looking for, you can very quickly narrow it down to find the right candidate for that position. Hiring is easy when you have that many candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you can too. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash TSS. That's linkedin.com slash TSS to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thank you very much to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's episode. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our Women's World Cup review. Day one is in the books, Graham Ruthven. And what a day one it was for the hosts. Australia won Ireland nil in the Group B opener. Pretty physical battle here, I think we can say. Captain yeah. Steph Catley uh, getting the goal from the spot. A pretty stonewall penalty, no arguments there. The National Stadium in Sydney, Graham. What, what are they calling this stadium for this tournament? Uh, the Sydney Rectangular Stadium. <laughs> Because <laughs> I've actually, I'm lucky enough to have been to this stadium. I, um, about 15 years ago, I went on a trip to Sydney with 
And we went to the Olympic Park, which is where the stadium is. Then it was called the Telstra Stadium, which I think is like a telecommunications company. And I think it's is it ANZ now? I think it's another telecommunications company. Well, I don't know, Ryan. FIFA have, have yeah. blocked me. They've censored. I'm not allowed that information. Well, I'm sneaking through some Australian advertising in that case, though. But it's a great stadium. 75,784 in attendance. The biggest Women's World Cup attendance of this century. Very good indeed. Interesting to note, Graham, that there were fans who when they were panning around the stadium at the start of kickoff uh wearing scarves and jackets and I looked it up and it was 12 centigrade 53 fahrenheit at kickoff so another oh. reminder that this is the second consecutive winter world cup and it was pretty chilly in the stadium despite it being july up here in the north of the equator yeah i got that reminder watching the the new zealand game and the players coming in at half time and all the substitutes like wrapped up in big <laughs> arson wenger trench coat jackets and i went oh yeah it's cold there um yeah. so I, I kind of forgotten that would be the case. Indeed. Well, big news line coming out of this game or before this game. No Sam Kerr out for the first two games. Uh, the Australian Federation are reporting. Absence of perhaps the best female player in the world is a bit of a downer for the host, Graham. Yeah, particularly when that player plays for the uh, for the host nation. She picked up a calf injury in, in training. Apparently will now miss not just this match, uh, the Ireland match, but the, the second match as well, which is just... Such a massive blow to Australia, but also the tournament as as a whole. As you say, Ryan, she's one of the best players in the world. She's an icon for one of the co-hosts and would have been an icon and hopefully still will be an icon for this World Cup in general. And the tournament, I don't think, will be as special if she isn't uh, involved much. So let's hope that Kerr can get fit for the knockout rounds and she can still find top form at her home, home World Cup. Indeed. Uh, another note, of course, Ireland coached by Vera Powell, who was involved in the controversy at Houston Dash, I believe is banned from US soccer activity, if uh, memory serves correct at this point, but obviously coaching Ireland in this game. Australia, Graham, seemed very frustrated by the uh, constant tactical fouling that was going on during this game from the Irish team. Uh, I think it was a win, but overall, they could po- probably be disappointed with the performance, if that's fair to say. Mm. The Irish sort of dictated the game is that fair to say yeah so it was it was the sort of thing we expected from ireland so as i, I mentioned earlier i i previewed new zealand and ireland um, before the tournament and you, there was some surprising things from new zealand ireland gave us the performance that we expected mm. from them they, they conceded a lot of possession but they played in the back five they spread across the pitch to restrict the spaces australia could play in it's all about staying compact and well-organized and making it difficult for the opponent to play through them. And in the first half, and really up until the the only goal of the game, I thought it, it, it was very effective. And it, it sucked the energy out of the out of the stadium, which I now know is called the Sydney Football Stadium, imaginative. Um, nice. Melbourne has the rectangular stadium. Melbourne and Perth have the two rectangular stadiums, and Wellington has a, a, a regional stadium. Um, so there you go, mm. no sponsors. Uh, the FIFA World Cup. But yeah, I thought... It did a good job of of really quietening down a, a crowd. Obviously, seventy thousand loud Australians in there. There was such demand for this game that they, they moved it. I think this this match was due to be played. I can't remember where it was due to be played, but a smaller stadium, a hexagonal the, stadium. It was in the, the Sydney hexagonal suburbs. Hexagonal stadium, the spherical stadium. It was due to be played at. They'd moved it to this stadium because it's the biggest stadium in the tournament. They could sell more tickets, but then within fifteen minutes, you know, it was. 
so quiet you could hear a shrimp on the barbie. That's how well that Ireland had, had done of quieting them down. So while the first match was a track meet and it felt like it was played at 100 miles an hour, even though it was only you know 1-0 to New Zealand, this was somewhat less eventful, certainly more physical. I mean, maybe the 70,000 fans at this stadium didn't get their football worth out of this game, but they saw a kickbox- kickboxing <laughs> match between Katie McCabe and Hayley Rasso, right. which was pretty rough and ready at times, and there was flying tackles, and there was one incident in the first half where I thought Katie McCabe might actually be in a little bit of trouble. She dives into a tackle and kind of goes qu- quite high up on uh, on Rasso's ankle, and I was, a, I was a little bit surprised there wasn't more VAR discussion around that. I mean, I don't know whether it was a red card, but it was probably worth a, a look. So there were some there were, there were some naughty ones in there from both mm. players. But from an Irish perspective, this this approach worked, and it worked on Rasso as well, who's one of the key Australian players in, a, in an attacking sense, because it just felt like she wasn't able to get forward as, as, as much as uh, she would have liked. So even though Ireland end up losing this, and I think that's just down to the talent advantage that Australia have, they will be quite positive, and they will probably take some lessons out of this game heading into their, their next two games against uh, Canada and Nigeria. I think I saw a good... Uh, photo tweeted by Nelradine Chowdhury of the McCabe and Russo battle. I think it was McCabe like five feet in the air above Russo. It's a pretty <laughs> spectacular picture if you can, if you can find it. But it did seem to me um, this was this this island side were pretty disciplined. They were pretty organised, doing lots of tactical fouling. Um, I mean, qu- quite disparate from the Irish men's side. I would suggest in a lot of those respects. But like, I, I was also impressed by the intensity they had in the last twenty minutes when they were pushing for that equaliser. It seemed like they were they, they were really going for it. Yeah, I said in my preview that even though Ireland play this this very compact, I, I likened them to the 1994 Jack Charlton Ireland World Cup team, um, mm. which was criticised a little bit for being overly physical. And this team does have that side to their game. But I said in my preview, and I could almost hear Joe's uh, teeth grinding when I, <laughs> when I said this, but there's a fight to them, right? There's a spirit to Ireland, and that gives them a chance. And I think that's what you're talking about, Ryan, when you, when you say intensity to Mm. their play even though it's quite a compact style there is that intensity um I think in an attacking sense they certainly could have offered more there were times when McCabe's touch let her down a bit when Ireland had opportunities to get forward on the counter and of course that's such a big part of 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 their game and Katie McCabe as maybe the standout performer player in this team she has the quality to make the most of those situations so while on the defensive side of the ball I think Ireland did as well as you could expect them to do in this situation they're probably going to have to offer more on the attacking side of the ball if they're actually going to get results in this tournament and they've they've landed in a tricky group as well so they've got Canada and Nigeria and so they will have to find a way to impose themselves on higher caliber opponents in their in their next two games but having said that the final 10 minutes it felt like Australia were actually kind of hanging on yeah. a little bit for those those final 10 minutes and and that was when Ireland were much more forceful in getting um, and getting players forward and looking to the wings and they could have equalised late on and, and Abby Larkin came on. She is a, a very highly rated, she's either 17 or 18 years old. She's been brought into the national team by Vera Pau um, fairly recently and she looked very, very lively and she did a lot more to carry the ball. So even though she's nowhere near the calibre of Katie McCabe, when she was carrying the ball on the right side, she did a much better job of that and she gave Ireland an outlet and she put a couple good crosses into the box and then Louise Quinn was moved into a, a an emergency centre forward role to give Ireland a bit more presence and basically just another player to hit with crosses and they almost scored through through Quinn who had a, a header saved in 
in stoppage time. So this was a bit of a free hit for Ireland. They weren't expected to take anything out of this. But I think Vera Pau will surely learn lessons from this game ahead of their next matches. And maybe we'll see Abby Larkin start the next game. Um, I don't think we'll see Louise Quinn start as a centre forward. But nonetheless, it's good for Ireland to know that they have that option as well. Yeah, definitely. I think there's some definite positives to draw from that, particularly that, as you said, closing 20 and or even 10 minutes. So there's some putting some great balls in into the box. And that combined with the return of massive World Cup uh, overtime stoppage time uh, seems to have made it a bit more dramatic as well. I think the first half of the New Zealand game, it was like 45 on the dot, the whistle blew. And then every other stoppage time has been like 10 minutes uh, of the other game, uh, the other halves. Yeah, so. because what what we needed was more football in our lives, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, the schedule wasn't packed enough. <laughs> as, as long as they don't, as long as they don't like run into one another, because I remember that being a problem in Qatar when obviously we were recording together in Brooklyn. We had like ten minutes to eat dinner before or lunch or whatever before the next match uh, started. Yeah, to really run back and forth to Popeyes during yeah. those <laughs> instants, Graham. Uh, Graham Rutherford, by the way, uh, alerting us that a Popeyes is opening. In his neighbourhood, imminently. Very excited. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Maybe that'll be around for the knockout rounds and I won't have to move from my couch in the living room. Get your uh, health insurance and your affairs in order uh, ahead of time, (laughs) I would, Graham, uh, for that one. Uh, Thank you. Good advice. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Anything else on this game for Australia's victory in their opening game, Graham? Um, we should probably mention Australia for, for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for this match, it was probably a, about just getting through the game, to be honest. There will be other matches where they can op- open up a little bit more. But nonetheless, there were still some uh, standout players. I thought Katarina Gori was excellent at the base of the midfield. She was a big reason why Ireland generally failed to use the quality of McCabe and, and Denise O'Sullivan to play in moments in, of transition because they are the valve for Ireland. They want to play the ball into them. They want to get them turned and then they want to create either counters or moments of transition. And Ireland weren't really able to do that. And that's because Gori was always there to break things up. And I saw some people tweeting out stats of her ball recoveries and and how many duels she won. So very impressive from her. There were also some moments from Caitlin Ford and uh, in the attack. And then Alana Kennedy, I thought, didn't shy away from the physical challenge that Ireland's attack presented. So even though they had some moments late on, Ireland, for the most part, they, they held firm in the face of that challenge. And Kennedy was a big reason um, why they were able to do that. But this Australia team certainly has more in the tank and that might not be a bad thing right that's the old cliche with major tournaments that the teams that start slowly but still win and get results are the teams to watch out for so even though this wasn't Australia at their best they'll be they'll be feeling pretty good that they they got three points out of this one yeah that's a very good point Graham and Australia facing Nigeria a week from today uh Sam Kerr should be absent from that one from the information we have but back for the uh, game against Canada how pivotal do you think that could be for this team yeah, hugely pivotal. And I thought the absence of, of care in this match, it had a real impact on the match as a whole, but certainly the early stages of this game, um, where it felt like Australia were kind of out of sorts. Of course, they've they've basically built their attack around Sam Kerr the last few few years. So even though they were getting bodies forward and it was quite attack-minded from them in the beginning and they dominated lots of the ball, it felt like they struggled to make any inroads into the Ireland box. And you do just wonder if Sam Kerr is there with the technical ability that she brings and the threat that she brings, if that is different. Rasso and Carpenter in particular were struggling to get anything out of uh, Katie McCabe in a defensive sense and and, and Shava as well. Um, and that was obviously good news for Ireland, um, who held Australia arm's length for the majority of the match up mm. until the penalty, as I mentioned. 
but yeah, I wonder if Sam Kerr is on this pitch, if it's a little bit more comfortable for Australia. Maybe so. And if the listener, Graham, hasn't watched either of these games, they were pretty early kickoffs, of course. We probably advise, if you're going to watch one back, it would be the New Zealand one. This one was a bit more agricultural. Is that the right word? Yeah, absolutely. I think the New Zealand-Norway uh, match, even though the, obviously the two score lines are exactly the same, 1-0 wins, New Zealand-Norway was, was more entertaining, certainly more surprising um, because of how well New Zealand played and also how poorly Norway played, whereas from the Australia-Ireland match, it was it was kind of what we expected, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Graham. Um, tomorrow's games, Friday's games, that is. It's confusing when you talk about days when there's it a is. nation where it's I have like no idea what 17 are, hours ahead. What? Yeah, it's tricky. But okay, for, for our purposes, Friday's games, we've got Nigeria taking on Canada, the other game in Group B. We've got the Philippines uh, against Sweden and Spain getting their campaign started against Costa Rica. Which game are we looking forward to the most out of that? Is it is it is it the Spanish and seeing how they kick off with uh, their talented squad despite some behind the scenes issues potentially yeah i think there's in, in terms of an individual team that's the most interesting one for me um obviously with the talent advantage that spain have you would expect them to kind of flatten costa rica even if things aren't so harmonious in their camp i think the most competitive match might be nigeria canada obviously canada have um a few world-class players in their team but not everything is is okay in, the, in, in their camp at the moment nigeria um, a strong uh, African team. I was going to say AFCON winners. They're not the AFCON winners. That was South Africa, but nonetheless have a good pedigree at this level. Um, you met. You, you said Ryan that it was it was Sweden. It's actually that other like European nation that sounds like Sweden that's playing the Philippines. It's Switzerland that's playing them uh, tomorrow. I, I'm kind of interested to see what the Philippines offer up in that match because I really hope they're not another Thailand. Obviously, Switzerland. I think Switzerland could be a bit of a dark horse in this uh, in this tournament. They have a lot of quality. They have a lot of players. Switzerland. You look at and you and you think, oh yeah, they're Swiss. They play at the top level of the NWSL or the Women's Super League or La Liga, and they're Swiss and they're Swiss. So they're a bit of a team that um, is surprising at how much talent that they have. But the Philippines, they have, as David Gass said in their preview, they've basically gone around the world and offered everyone passports. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really sure what to expect from them. Maybe they have recruited well. Maybe they have recruited poorly. So that's the match that I am probably the least sure of what to expect from. Okay, my apologies for confusing Sweden with Switzerland. You don't want to get on the wrong side of the neutrals, Graham. Uh, they've issued a beige alert against <laughs> yeah, me already. Yeah. A beige alert. Yeah, they're the ones you need to watch out for. <laughs> you do indeed. You do we'll indeed. beige you to death. <laughs> all right i think that just about wraps up the show for today graham ruthven thank you very much for your world cupping thus far we're having a good time i think we're having a good time so far right i had a great time today yeah. i mean there will be a match i remember was it croatia morocco which is actually funny because they then met again in the semi-finals mm. but croatia morocco the last world cup met in the group stages and that was one of the worst matches i've ever seen in my life mm. and it kind of questioned made me question like my very existence and what I was doing with my life. So there will be a game at some point that evokes memories of that Croatia-Morocco match. But let's hope it's not tomorrow. Let's hope we get three uh, Barnstormers tomorrow. Let's hope it's one of the ones that you tape and watch later on. How about that? That's uh, hopefully that's less of an investment for you. All right, Graham, thank you very much for joining us. Listener, thank you very much for joining us on this. We'll be here on The Daily with our World Cup reports. But for now, bye! Bye! 